This week, we welcome Fleming Shi, Chief Technology Officer at Barracuda Networks, to discuss the hybrid workforce, addressing the challenges of work from anywhere. In the leadership and communication section, Federal Reserve Chairman says cyber risk a top threat to national economy. What good leaders do when replacing bad leaders, my 10 rules for work-life balance, and more. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Week. Stopping advanced threats requires knowing exactly what you're up against. ExtraHop Reveal X is the only solution that shows you not just where intruders are going, but where they've been. 90-day look back and complete network visibility across the data center, cloud, and device edge help security teams respond 84% faster with ExtraHop Reveal X network detection and response. Explore the interactive demo at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 213, recorded April 19th, 2021. I am your host, Matt Alderman, here in sunny Colorado before it snows today. Joining me from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island is my first co-host, Mr. Paul Asadorian. Hey, Matt. It's good to be here. No snow in Rhode Island yet, No right? snow. I, ro- I, rode, um, I rode my e-bike to work today. It's good. Yeah, I wasn't nice. freezing. Last time I took it, it was cold. <laughs> A little, little too chilly. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason's not in studio, which means he's joining us remotely. Mr. Albuquerque, welcome. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And and Paul, you're looking good with that nice clean face, buddy. I hey, love thanks. it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you so much younger. I know. Right? As our viewers know, I go through lots of different facial hair changes. And this time I decided clean shaven. And we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> uh, through vacation. And then I bet right. it's done. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Do you want to stay in the loop on all things Security Weekly? Visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher or our YouTube channel. Sign up for our mailing list. Join our Discord server and follow us on our newest live streaming platform, Twitch. Also, do you have a specific guest or topic that you want us to cover on one of the shows? Submit your suggestions for guests by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash guests and completing the form. We just reviewed them, so there's a bunch of new ones coming, but we'll also review them monthly and we'll reach out to you once we've approved your appearance. This segment is sponsored by Barracuda Networks. To learn more, please visit securityweekly.com forward slash Barracuda. Fleming Shi joined Barracuda Networks in 2004 as the founding engineer for the company's web security product offerings, helping to create the first version of Barracuda's message archiving product and paving the way for expansion into new content security product areas. As chief technology officer, Fleming leads the company's threat research and innovation engineering teams in building future technology platforms to deliver continued success in uh, their security and data protection products. He has more than 20 patents granted or pending in network and content security. Fleming, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Thank you for having me. Uh, I mean, actually, sunny Santa Cruz uh, in, in the Bay Area. So still pretty warm right here. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> Want to get outside soon. Yeah, but it's really nice over here. Yeah. Just remember, whenever it rains in the Bay Area this time of year, Two days later, it's snow in Colorado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. We've got the uh, the water storage, right? That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we need the water. All right. So we're going to talk about work from anywhere. Uh, and I want to set this up a little bit. I mean, a year ago, we were talking about getting workers from on-premise to work from home. And with that came a lot of challenges for organizations of taking some of their on-prem systems and moving them into the cloud. Now that we're moving back into the office and probably being in this hybrid kind of style of on-prem and work from home, based on what we learned going remote, what issues, if any, are we going to have when we go back into this hybrid workforce? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, from what I've been studying, reading some stats, uh, one of the stat basically talks about um, more than 50% of the organizations are going to probably allow uh, uh, full-time you know, working from home scenario, which means other 50% will be coming in and out. And this is really not just flexible days, but flexible hours. If you think about how people slice up their workday, they could be spending time in the office and they go go back home, right, and continue their work. Um, the nice thing about that is really it's uh, going to change the way we handle, uh, you know, our work. But, in, but more importantly, uh, how do you actually in- keep their productivity and make sure the security is, is properly set set up for their uh, for their devices when they're using them? So I think coming back to to the office or you know. I, I, I remember in March last year, people actually had a hard time uh, sourcing laptops, getting laptops to people's homes quickly, right? Uh, now the issue is uh, maybe some people have laptops that's uh, offered by their employer, but some of them could be using real own device, right? Their own devices. In many ways, I think it's in the future is less of a working from home, but more of a working from anywhere. So these devices plus all kinds of networks will be involved in your work infrastructure at that point, right? It's no longer like pre-pandemic, majority will be in the office. So you're thinking, you're, you're uh, I, I would say you have to think about uh, all these different networks that's gonna be associated with your uh, workforce. So I think that is the number one challenge is how do you actually trust these networks? How do you make sure the user who's uh, interacting with your SaaS applications, um, you know, collaborating between your teams are actually safe? Right, so uh, this is this is where we really have to think about the the posture, uh, the security posture at, at the endpoint, um, the users, uh, you know, readiness for different kinds of uh, attacks. I'll I'll call call out email, for example. Email is still the uh, the largest um, uh, app really used by uh, any employee uh, any, any employee uh, for for doing work at home or work from anywhere. So I think it's uh, it's about bringing zero trust in 2021 into uh, the workforce really quickly. You know, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, and I think there were some great points in there, Fleming, that uh, and kind of helped me shape how it, things really are today, right? It's not a, everyone working from home, everyone in the office, or even some hybrid. It's more about the hybridization of the devices that some people could have some personal mm-hmm. devices and some work devices, and they're accessing the same types of data. And I think zero trust in right. the context of that conversation is extremely important because traditionally in IT security, we're like, either we manage that device or we don't. And it's more about the device. Mm-hmm. Now today, it's more about the users and the apps and the data, as Matt you know, likes to point out. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, I mean, zero trust used to be just about the network layer, right? And when we think mm-hmm. about the network now, it may not be in the control of the organization. The network is my home network because I'm working at home today. Mm-hmm. It's the corporate network because I'm in the office tomorrow. And then it's Starbucks or whichever coffee shop mm-hmm. down the street. So the network is mm-hmm. not that tr- that layer that I control. So when we think about zero trust, to Paul's point, I think we have to think more about app user data layers not just mm-hmm. the network mm-hmm. layer, because that network layer, you don't have as many controls in these days than you did in the past. Yeah, no, that, that's right. 100% did- de- dead on, Matt. I mean, we've become hyper-individualized at this point, right? I mean, yeah. think, think about it, uh, you know, a little over a year ago. You know, at that point, we were innovating because, you know, traditionally, we wanted to, to, to influence society. And we went, we took a step back on our heels and, and we had to adapt technology for the societal changes that got thrown at us, right? So now we've become hyper-individualized. I mean, just look at some of the mm-hmm. services we're doing now, telemed, contactless payment, right? Mm-hmm. Virtual check-ins mm-hmm. at hotels. Everything is that individualized experience that we now have to, um, you know, make sure we're securing along with that flexible, scalable, and global type experience. We need to make sure that's all got a security umbrella over it now. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I think it's so. Yeah, it, I I was gonna say because I feel like it's an evolution. The virus, the pandemic, really helped us evolve, um, and this is what the effect of it. Uh, our how we're connected, how how we're using 
uh, our applications. I think SaaS adoption is way up. Uh, you probably heard about application um, mobile app downloads are go way up, right? So uh, exactly like uh, what you said. So when you think about this as a chief technology officer, right, everybody knows mm. Barracuda for the email stuff and some of your firewalling products mm. because we've all heard or seen the ads, right? But as a chief technology officer, as we're going through this past year of pandemic, I mean, how has that shifted your thoughts into the types of offerings you now need to deliver to your customers to help them in this new world? Definitely. I think you probably uh, see our one of our... Uh, uh, goals is to really improve security uh, for the entire journey for our customer, always with them. And this part of it is really, we have to really understand how people are working. In the past, Barracuda, like you said, we have firewalls, we have VPN clients. Uh, but most people actually, when they work from home now, they don't necessarily have to use VPN to do their job. They're using SaaS applications. They're using single sign-on. Uh, you know, to allow them to actually get in through their Azure AD to get into the application, which is uh, really defined um, and sanctioned by the company. And having those access and how do you actually policy manage the usage and permissions and, and based on the, your, your uh, network or your endpoints posture is what we're trying to put together. So we really pushed really hard last year, actually got into uh uh, ZTNA, I will call it uh, Cloud Gen Access. That's the actual product name. And what it does is goes, like you said, zero trust used to be just um, network segmentation or overlay on top of existing network infrastructure. So you can have, um, you know, assets connecting to each other. But the zero trust in this context is about, uh, uh, you know, con constantly monitoring, continuously monitoring the security posture of the endpoint of the user, where they are geo geofence, use various different ways to make sure the user is securely accessing the SaaS applications you're, you're giving to your employees. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the new uh, product offerings, but it also ties into some of the things you've been doing on the application side, right? Again, traditional Absolutely. networking, mm -hmm. email, and then you start looking at all the cloud adoption and all these different cloud platforms. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen a huge uptick and we cover this in our other show that we did earlier today, Application Security Weekly, now there's a whole new app uh, attack vector and the application security is now more important than ever. Yep, definitely. So as we talked about, SaaS application adoption is going up. We're doing zero trust on the endpoint for the actual employees or users who are touching these apps. But if you think about the infrastructure behind these apps, uh, they are going to get a lot of attention because if you think about uh, all the supply chain attacks you probably heard on the news, various different application infrastructures are potentially going to be exposed because you, you, you have a large uh, cloud adoption, public cloud migration sort of uh, uh, workload moving from your private data centers to public cloud. A lot of these adoption come along with risks. Uh, some of these risks are completely, um, I would just say, uh, you know, developers could make mistakes, right? Sometimes they, it doesn't even have to, have to be the production environment. It could be their development environment where they think they can have to have access from home so they can do their work better. Uh, but giving those public cloud uh, adoption and given the amount of complex uh, services in public cloud, and uh, not every developer is going to understand how to securely utilize or configure their cloud uh, um, setup so they can actually... Uh, you know, actually do their development work securely. So that actually could be a problem. So this is one of the reason our cloud application uh, security, really, I would say uh, web application security goes beyond that. Just uh, web applications about the actual app layer. But if you think about the infrastructure layer, the configuration, the, the postures you have to have in AWS, Azure, GCP, uh, you need to make sure you have a constant watch over it. Uh, and that's, that's really kind of two sides, right? So first of all, protecting the user at home, making sure uh, they're secure, uh, you know, before they access the SaaS. Also protecting the folks who are offering SaaS, their infrastructure. Once, if you're not careful, once it's inf uh, infiltrated, you can actually be, it can be weaponized against others, right? If you think about supply chain attack, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, always related to. Uh, a, uh, let's just say, a source code repository. It could be actually related to your production environment where you may have left a door open, right, or window open. 
in that situation. So, so those are all the things that Barracuda are offering, obviously, to support our customers and also our customers' vendors who are running these SaaS applications. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a huge growth area for everybody to really look mm-hmm. at the application layer. Um, you couple that with the user. Now you have some very interesting user application control, again, back into that zero trust model. But then, again, these profiles then probably vary and change based on also where you're trying to access these applications from. And I think this is where some of the newer uh, WAN technologies and some of the protections around that start to come into play. We've mm-hmm. seen this big uptick in SASE technologies, right, that, that secure mm-hmm. a service edge. Uh, how has that yeah. changed the way you think about connectivity in, in the network? Absolutely. So, you know, as we talked about the uh, the, the constant security posture management, that's one thing, right? But if you think about SASE scenarios, it's about interconnecting um, branch offices and public cloud regions. Uh, so Barracuda actually uh, offers a pretty awesome SD-WAN solution. It, it actually uh, utilizes Microsoft Azure's backbone. And we actually deployed this, uh, our devices actually very natively within Azure to support your potential SD-WAN build out. What that means is you can go from your SD1 uh, core design to actually uh, rolling out devices potentially in your branch office. It could also be, you know, some some industries are going to be very difficult to just always work from home, especially manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm. They just use uh, manufacturing as an example. Industrial IoT uh, will will still have to have security around them, especially robotics or automation. you know, uh, machinery, all those things. So if you think about SD-WAN, it's a, it goes beyond just interconnecting assets that is just pur- purely software, but sometimes they are related to uh, uh, physical uh, uh, environments like manufacturing floors. So with that, uh, it's, it's beyond just uh, providing a VPN connection, but it's also a security posture within that connection, uh, managing uh, the application quality as well as measuring who is in and out of those flows and also uh, really kind of restrict uh, the amount of access you can get to certain parts of your your uh, your mesh uh, in that SD1. So, so generally, if you look at that, uh, what we have really put together is uh, connecti- connectivity with security for uh, SD1. We also added CloudGen access for devices at home, obviously the, uh, the zero trust uh, endpoint sec- security uh, solution to actually en- en- enable certain permissions and disable permissions based on your security posture, right? So if you look at all these cloud gen solutions we add together, it's it's a full uh, SASE offering. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and that, that ecosystem is so important right now. I mean, you know, I, I think about the yin and the yang between, you know, the push-pull between the business and security right now, right? And, and the business wants... Uh, uh, you know, an, an environment that can support a diverse, distributed, hyper-individualized uh, type experience where, you know, for the remote workforce, especially for those organizations are thinking about getting rid of some of their leases, getting rid of their brick and mortar, really having that true work from anywhere type environment. They're trying to put push that campus environment user experience out to the periphery. Those services That's need right. to come to you, right? Mm-hmm. And now, now these mm-hmm. organizations are, are seeing this really distributed network and, and, and just having those tools available, um, you know, because let's face it, security isn't always at the upfront uh, strategic table, right? We want to be, but a lot of times the business is making decisions, right? And, and, and we, yep. become, we come in on the tail end of it. Having these tools available are so important these days to be able to make sure we're yep. securing this diverse and again, distributed network. Yeah, definitely. Actually, one of the stats I, I uh, came to know is uh, about 30% plus uh, of the survey actually said these, these um, uh, 30% of the folks will actually reduce the office footprint, just like you said, right? So yep. that means there will be definitely hybrid workforce. Uh, and sometimes people will share office space. So some people coming on Monday, you know, by the same space. So they're reducing their, like you mentioned, reducing their lease. Yes. Yeah. But that experience can't change, right? The business does Mm -hmm. not want the experience to change, whether you're on campus, off campus, in a Starbucks, 
or in a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. So just as, since you touched on uh, Starbucks, for example, if you're in Starbucks environment, if there is a trust issue on that particular Wi-Fi, uh, something like uh, zero trust, uh, like cloud gen access will disable certain critical access to certain data sets, right? So if you think about it that way, uh, there are some security, uh, you know, uh, enforcements, uh, but genuinely we want to make sure the security is there first while uh, you can still do your job. Of course, we, it doesn't mean you can't work from Starbucks, but pro perhaps you have to uh, have, you, you will probably be uh, limited to certain type of resources. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's a, that's a beautiful thing because that's, that's a very mm -hmm. easy conversation that you're enabling me to have with my other business yeah. unit leaders. Because now collaboratively, we can sit down and say, what's the highest risk? What are the controls we want to put in play? Then the expectation is there across the board and you have support from all those other business unit leaders, right? So we can have an intelligent yeah. conversation on how we want to, to implement those controls. And that's a moving target Absolutely, and yeah. a, you know, a conversation that constantly of needs course. to happen as we roll out new applications. Yep. Sometimes these that's are true. native applications, SaaS applications. Sometimes they're on-premises. Sometimes they're this mix, right? As I explore all the things that Office 365 can do, I'm like, a lot of anyone can stand up an application and like, wait, now I got to know what data they're accessing, who should have access to it. And now based on Fleming, right. what you described, right, is in what context should they have access to this mm -hmm. or not? Exactly, exactly. And if you think about all this all comes around, right? Because when you have workforce that's working hybrid or work anywhere, you don't want them to become the entry point to eventually get into your network or into your application security infrastructure, right? Uh, application uh, infrastructure. So that prevents potential weaponization of your environment, your uh, your users, uh, could be your uh, C staff, right? So you think about it, uh, security, basically it's a whole cycle, a whole circle really, uh, you know, protecting them, how they use uh, their apps, uh, preventing them uh, from getting, uh, become the sort of the, the entry point and the place where they do the island hopping or uh, lateral movement into your infrastructure. Because it's not just executive, developers just is the same way, right? If they get into developer systems, they could actually uncover credentials or tokens or um, access keys to, to your cloud environment, if you think about it that way. So, so all these things that all come together, we have to think about it that way, yeah. Now, we talked application, we talked user, we talked the network layer. The only thing we didn't talk about is data. What are you guys doing in the data space <laughs> these days? Uh, great. Uh, I, I think there is still a little bit of stealth, but I can uh, talk about it a little bit because you want to know where your data lives and what kind of data lives where, right? So when you have a target on your data as in, okay, so this sensitive data uh, should be only shared using this sanctioned file share service, for example, right? So you can actually uh, monitor and, and uh, really give yourself a, uh, a report on where your data lives. This is something we're building uh, coming soon, I would say. Uh, but the nice thing about this is uh, uh, it, it utilizes APIs to interact with various different uh, SaaS applications. So we don't have to always sit in the, in, you know, in traditionally in the early days when we did um, our products, usually it's a layer seven, like, like a relay, like a bump in a wire, right? So today we don't have to do that. Everything can be done through APIs, interacting with your, uh, your applications and identifying where the data lives. So then there are signals you can catch and just kind of like, uh, like an event in your system, uh, like I notify or some type of event in the system, but in a, in a, SaaS, you will be then triggering a, uh, a, a, a sort of a scan or, or inspection of, uh, of the data. So there's a lot to come from that pers perspective. Also, uh, of course, we have data protection from uh, backup perspective, right? That's, a, that's one thing we always have been doing really well. So uh, that's also important, especially for uh, ransomware attacks, right? So you want to actually be yeah. ready for it. Yeah, I mean, your data protection products have always been out there as, as a way to prepare mm -hmm. yourself in case of a ransomware attack. You need that resiliency component. But as we start to think yep. about the triad that I always go back to, app user data, you know, understanding mm -hmm. where your data is, understanding the interrelation mm -hmm. of data to the application, to the user access, is like that next nirvana layer that 
I, I think we're going to see a lot more innovation in over the years because you've, you've got a lot of the other pieces in place. You bring that data layer component in. Now you start to really provide, I think, some really great value to say, wait a minute, that I don't recognize that user or that user on that application. So why are they trying to access this data? When, when we can control that better, we, we definitely provide the kind of the next level of, of security in, in, from a protection mm-hmm. standpoint. Absolutely. It's about users uh, and data and your infrastructure. Everything you just mentioned is something that we want to make sure we protect from all angles. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the future. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Fleming, thank you so much for joining us mm. on Business Security Weekly. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you guys more in the future, especially coming back to work uh Let's see how 2021 works out. Mm-hmm. But if it's a hybrid, well, we got the solutions and technology ready for the, for our customers. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to mm-hmm. get a, get caught up on all the other things that Barracuda is doing. Like I said, we all know you from other commercials around the network and the email side, but you guys have made a lot of progress mm-hmm. in 2021. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To yeah, learn definitely. more about mm-hmm. yeah. Perfect. Thank you, Fleming. To learn more about how Barracuda Networks can solve your work-from-anywhere challenges, please visit securityweekly.com forward slash Barracuda. We're going to take a quick break and then cover the leadership and communications articles for this week. Cyber criminals are using social engineering loaded with urgency and fear to successfully prey on victims, your employees, or your customers. Protect your Office 365 email from today's most sophisticated attacks with Barracuda Email Threat Scanner. It's a free tool to help protect your business from these hard-to-detect attacks. The Barracuda Email Threat Scanner uses artificial intelligence to hunt and eliminate Office 365 email threats. Find the cybersecurity threats hiding in your Office 365 email right now. Get your free email threat scan at securityweekly.com forward slash barracuda. We're proud to announce CISO Stories, a new podcast series in partnership with Cybersecurity Collaborative and Cyber Reason. CISO Stories features the candid perspectives and experiences of frontline senior security executives and dives deep into timely security topics. CISO Stories is hosted by Todd Fitzgerald, VP of Cybersecurity Strategy at Cybersecurity Collaborative, and Sam Curry, Chief Product and Security Officer at Cyber Reason. Listen weekly as they speak with extraordinary CISOs by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash CSP. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I am your host, Matt Alderman, joined by Paul Asadorian and Jason Albuquerque. Our next live webcast will be on April 29th at 11 a.m. Eastern, where you will learn how to prepare for and prevent modern ransomware attacks. Our next technical training will be on May 6th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This technical training will explore common misconfigurations of NGINX, the damage they could do, and how to avoid them. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash webcast to register now. If you've missed any of our previously recorded webcasts or technical trainings, they are available for your viewing pleasure at securityweekly.com forward slash on demand. All right, off to the articles this week. Um, a couple interesting ones in here. There's, um, I, you know, I always try to pull some different articles. This first article came across from the Federal Reserve Chairman, naming cyber risk a top threat to our economy. And I started thinking about this for a second. I'm like, does this mean like people will take cybersecurity a little more seriously now? <laughs> hey, th- this is, you want to know what? For it to be mentioned as part of, I think it was a 60 Minutes, um, you know, uh, interview that, that interview. he did. I, for, for, for it to be mentioned as part of that is, is a big deal to me, right? I mean, at the end of the day, number one, um, I, it was great and it made me feel good that the Federal Reserve Chairman is saying our economy is going to be in a good spot. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a positive outlook looking forward. Um, you know, the chances of a 2008 financial crisis happening again are very low. But then he flipped into this big risk that says the world has changed, risks have changed, and it's no longer global financial crisis you need to worry about. It's cyber risk at the highest level to our financial institutions. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, we've known this for a while, right? I mean, yeah. look, there's been a lot of regulations in place in the in the banking system, the financial system for years. It didn't prevent things like the 2008 crash because that was not really related to cybersecurity. Right. But 
So what he's saying is, look, we, we've fixed that situation around credit liquidity and some of the challenges we had in 08, but now we've got this brand new threat vector over here called cybersecurity and cyber risk that, yeah, could <laughs> cause us some grief. Well, well see, well, I read between the lines, and I mean, it may have come across as brand new. I think it just went up the, the ladder. It's now number one in the risk list. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think it's... It, it just made its way to the top. Yeah, it's not necessarily brand new, but I think the <laughs> ability for it to impact uh, the yeah. global economy is much greater yeah. than it was in the past. In that, yeah, I mean, in that they handled sense, all the a, financial items, right, Paul? Like, yeah. you know, the bad investments, the bad loans, they handled all that through regulation. Now the risk, you know, their, their risk matrix, now this is boiling up to the top. And, mm-hmm. and now cyber is, is, is what they're talking about. Hey, promote it. You know what? I'm a fan. If the Federal Reserve chairman is talking about it, sweet. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine like a ransomware attack on a set of smaller banks or credit unions that that lock up the financial transaction data? I mean, think about how damaging that could be. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if 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 a, a, a medium to large size financial institution completely lost track of all their payments and all the auditing around it and all, I mean, that could be utter chaos. Utter chaos. Yeah. Got a few hedge funds that might be in that situation here real soon. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Still diamond hand in my GME. That's All it. Right. That's it. <laughs> uh, four steps to uh, better security hygiene, I think, is this next article. I, and I thought it was the steps in here I thought were interesting, Jason and Paul, because. Uh, this week, we're going to come out with our attack service management, our first product review out of Security Weekly Labs. And this is like one of the top items on the list, which I thought was interesting. Uh, the timing of this article to the timing mm-hmm. of our release of our of some of our product uh, review work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've read uh, what Adrian is going to uh, publish this week. And my reaction was what we're not we're giving this away for free. So if you're <laughs> out there. And wherever you are in terms of attack surface management on the scale of like, hey, we're doing it and maybe we want to know how to get better at it or we're not doing it at all, you should definitely go read uh, Adrian's write-ups based on our testing because uh, it, it's just, it's amazing. It's a, amazing to help you understand the value uh, and go get a solution that does this that best fits your needs. I was like, this scratches that itch. Uh, and I, I also think that it's a space that you need to be have top of mind uh, and be implementing. Oh, 100%. I mean, just, you, you know, the old school managing to your CMDB and, and doing discoveries just isn't doing it anymore, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you, you have to have that outside in, inside out approach. And, and you have to be able to take a, advantage of the, the automations that are available today and in the remediations that are available today. You have to. It's too easy you know, to spin things up today. I mean, I it did is. it. I did it last week. Spun something right. up, publicly available, right? Yep. Now well, I got to go back and see if you know our tax service management products uh, find that. <laughs> Found it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But because yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we just we just talked about it in the last segment, right? I mean, we're we're one hundred percent becoming individualized, right? Offices are in people's homes. Offices are are at Starbucks. So we we start and we have to start taking this approach because we're uber individualized and and super distributed. Mm-hmm. Correct. And these first two points are to that point, right? That the CMDB approach to asset manage, asset management's outdated. I've moved right. a bunch of stuff out of my environment. Attack service management does a really good job of discovering and finding those. You correlate that with number two to really start to understand where your critical business assets are, yeah. right? That's the foundation, but everybody yeah. still struggles with the basic asset management. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and to be honest with you, you can't effectively focus on number two, which is focus on the crown jewels if you don't know where they are, Yeah. right? I right. mean, at the end of the day, so you have to know where things are and you have to be doing that attack surface management. Because anyone can spin yeah. up a service anywhere uh, at any level. And how do you find that? And the technology that exists today is really cool, such as uh, you use the corporate logo. Like, let's go look the entire internet and find your corporate logo. Oh, look, someone spun up this service and is collecting sensitive data in this new service, right? That's yep. the level that that we get into. In the that's awesome. Well, and then and then what you do is you find because what's what, what that's going to lead to is somebody trying to use that brand for a phishing mm-hmm. campaign to try mm-hmm. to steal credentials. Right? You need to know about that stuff. Right. Or they're collecting sensitive data and not handling it properly, which is 
could be right. compliance that, issues. That is, you know what? Yeah. A lot of times that's a bigger concern for me, Paul. <laughs> it is for me That you too. have a business unit yes. trying to be agile and just trying to get services out there yep. uh, to, to their staff and to the clients. And they didn't involve security, mm-hmm. right? And it's 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 a shadow program that's happening. And you know you have no idea that it's going on and you can't protect it. You can't give good, good sound security hygiene advice. And, and you're not part of that process. That's a bigger fear to me yeah. for me. Because we'd happily support those processes, but we can only do that if we know about it. Yeah. Correct. Many times it's with good intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That leads a little bit into number three, invest in cloud security. We talked about this last segment with Fleming. To me, it's a little broader than just cloud security. I mean, application security in the cloud, I, I think, are tightly coupled together. I think there are areas that definitely need more investment. I think we spent a lot of time securing networks and endpoints over the years. But as I move stuff into the cloud, it's not just the cloud infrastructure. Yeah. It's the apps running in those cloud environments. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and the only thing I would throw caution at, guys, is, is you know, make sure that when you're investing, you're adopting. Because I, I see it way too often that you buy a shiny blinky tool and you don't adopt it. You're not actually implementing it and using it and you think you're safe. It's a false sense of security, right? So, so just make sure you're getting that ROI on the investment and adopting the technology and using it. Oh, and you set up point number four, increased testing. And it's all about breach and attack simulation yeah. here, right? Like validate not you know, you're making investments, you need to adopt those, mm-hmm. but you also need to validate, are these yeah. systems actually doing what you expect That's them it. to do? Otherwise don't. So Paul, yeah. we've talked mm. about this, right? Breach and attack simulation, attack surface management. These are these new and upcoming areas that, you know, this article is saying, look, these are some of the things you can do to improve your overall security posture in this new world. Yeah. Uh, they they hit a couple very interesting areas for us. Yeah, yeah I like it a lot. I would just, I would just tweak it and change it to increase text testing and exercises, right? Because yeah. and not, it's not just the test, it's incident response exercises, it's BCDR exercises, it's recovery, right? So just make sure you're getting that muscle memory in there as well. So I just add an exercise. <laughs> yeah, I think it's put, you know, you can move really fast uh, as a business. And I think that breach and attack simulation, a lot of these other technologies allows you to keep pace. Like as the, basically all of the uh, enterprises, right, moving towards a more DevOps and agile style model and not just developing applications, that has a, a different set of challenges. I'm actually in this context kind of less concerned about that, more concerned about like anyone can spin an app up or service up anywhere. And yeah. how, do we, how do we make sure that we're constantly testing that and looking at all of our exposures? So I thought attack service management and right. breach and attack simulation allows you to keep pace with the business to at least know yeah. what your risks are. 100%. And we were just talking about it earlier on the break, Paul, right? Think about this. You can spin up an app in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. but then you can also integrate it with another app in a heartbeat. Yep. Like we have that technology there. So it's not just about the applications that are getting spun up. It's it's the data transfers and the data sharing and the, the APIs between them and all that additional complexity because a siloed app, right, isn't effective and businesses yeah. aren't, we're not in that model anymore, right? It's, it's all the interconnects. Yeah, and if you've got the right credentials, you can just link stuff together and start moving data around in an automated fashion. Got it. I, look, I was looking into, for audits, if you haven't looked at Power Automate, Power Apps, and some of the power that that platform from Microsoft oh, brings. My. But it's also the security person to me is like, oh my God, this is frightening. Because like, right. basically, right. you don't need a whole lot of technological experience to be able to implement this stuff. Like I said, if you've got the right passwords, right. you can start pulling data and moving it wherever you want. That's it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I had the luxury of taking part in, in, in Ignite, Microsoft Ignite. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it virtually, but are they coming out with, with ecosystems of applications and low code oh, yeah. apps? And, oh yeah. Low and wow. no code is what they're all about. And I didn't realize how much they had put into that. It's, it's amazing the things that they're right. doing. Now the nerd and you like, this is great. And the yes. security person you is freaking CISO out. CISO and me yes. is going, oh, shiza. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the way it always happens, right? Yep. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, and 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 when and when you lose your job because you, uh, you know, got breached or whatever, then then this next article, you know, uh, <laughs> what good leaders can do when replacing bad leaders. Uh, I, I I brought this one in because I you know I think we we see a lot of leadership transitions. Um, you know, in our industry, we see it. Um, and I thought this was a really good article from Harvard, Harvard Business Review to, to talk about if you're a, a new leader stepping into a role and somebody was replaced and 
how do you handle that transition? Yeah. And, and this article brought out some really, really good points about what, what that transition should look like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, when you're in a position to, to um, fill someone else's shoes, good, bad or indifferent, I, my, my biggest suggestion is just 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 do it with style and etiquette. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you know, you you were hired to hired to get a job done. Uh, you know, the, the, the previous administration did what they had to do to get the, the business to where they are. Right. I mean, that's it. And, and, and in many instances, maybe the business is, is outpacing the skill set of the previous leader. I, you don't know. Right. But but at the end of the day, you do it with etiquette, you do it with style and, and you just you grab the helm and go. Yeah, I, I think is there's a lesson in there, too. Like, don't change too much and move too fast. Oh, you can't. You got it. You you got it. I think your style point is like you you have to lead in a very specific way. That's right. Not take on too much, but drive in the right direction. But right. you can't put the pedal to the metal the entire time, right? Like it's a marathon, right. not a sprint. And it, it takes right. people time right. to to adopt change, understand vision, and, and things like that. And learn the team, and learn the business, yes. and learn all learn the how things. People work. Yeah. Take the time that you need to learn what you need to learn. Right. It, it's there. You're going to have the runway, learn what you need to learn so you can make very good change, innovate, you know, and, and you have to take the time. Otherwise, if you if you put the pedal to the metal, now you're risking a mass exodus, right? Yeah. And, and you don't want that. Right. And I think that's why setting kind of the vision in, in kind of the future of what the team looks like and, and what the objectives are for the group yeah. matters. But again, to Paul's point, in input right from the team yep. members yep. and figure out how to make it work cuz you can't make all these changes overnight but but you do want to share kind of that vision of where you think this organization is okay. going to go because here's the challenge and and I see this uh, at other places right where you have this you, if you don't share the vision with everybody and they're not on board you're going to start losing really yes. good people because yep. They're like, well, why am I here? What's my purpose? Right. How do I fit right. into mm -hmm. this? Yeah. That vision's important, and, and you're going to start to see people leave. That's not what you want when you have a leadership change. Well, no, and one no, thing, no um, you know, one thing that, and I've noticed that in other organizations, not here at CRA, but one thing CRA is also good at in the, in the light of this is when there are changes and changes in responsibility and or workload, it comes with, re there's a, a hefty discussion about the resources required. And I think many of us, on the show and listening, right, have been in those situations where you get more workload and responsibility, but not the right resources or enough resources to support that to get to that goal, right? Uh, right. And that's one thing I like about working here is there's always a conversation about the right resources. Yeah, and I'll say every executive level position that I've taken, every role that I've taken, I've always set uh, a roadmap with with whomever I'm reporting to, whether it's the CEO or at one point I reported to a COO. And, and, and I always say, I'm going to take, depending on the conversations we have, I'm going to take 90 to 120 days to give you a report of what I see, right? Yeah. And, and, and I want to take that time and, and I explain it. Number one, to learn the organization, to learn the people, to make sure you know, the right people are on the right bus in the right seat. Mm -hmm. you know, if, are we making the right investments? Do we have the right strategy? Are we spending our money wisely? You know, it, it, so so it, it takes that 90 to 120 days for, for a leader to look at the current state of affairs, right? Take, you know, really take a look at what that future state should look like and then be able to identify the gaps to get you there or build mm -hmm. that roadmap. So it's going to mm -hmm. take that time. You have, you have to take that time. And, and, and really, there's multiple benefits there because now you have something tangible that you can share with your leadership, your board of directors, your CEO, but it's also a roadmap you can start sharing with your team. I think Jason's been spying on our emails, Matt. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Are you hacking us, Jason? <laughs> Very similar conversations. Leaders, yep. Yeah. And leaders must communicate consistently and with yeah. transparency uh, to build keep everyone trust, in the loop. Right? Yeah, you got to keep everyone in the loop. Agreed. Yeah, I, I pulled that next article. And it oh, was, but it, it is a great... It is, because in doing all this, you have yeah, to communicate exactly. and be open and transparent with everything. Yeah. I mean, because you're learning so much, but then you also have to put a plan together and you got to be honest and, and build that transparency to say, look, yeah. these, this is what we need to do. Let, let's build the plan. Let's build the opportunity to do it. Because yep. once the once the rest of the organization says, okay, let's go, guess what? 
Now we got to go update everybody else in the organization. Uh, we got to mm-hmm. get them all aligned to that new direction and strategy. And so y- you better do it right or, or you're not going to get the rest of the organization in line. No, 100% agreed. And, and, and many, many times, you know, I not only try to say, listen, I want to be honest. I'm bringing a level of integrity to this conversation. I'm going to be transparent. But in many instances, I always say, listen, I'm going to open up and, and be vulnerable sometimes, right? And that vulnerability may, means that I'm taking my ego and I'm putting it aside and I'm saying, I can't do this by myself. It's impossible. I need the help of business unit leaders. I need the help of the CEO and the board. I need the help of the CFO, right? I, you know, you, you can't do it by yourself. And, and sometimes you just have to open up and have that level of vulnerability to have the tough conversation. And then you can rally the troops and, and it gets appreciated. You know, you build trust with that. And, and, and you know, if, if, if one thing I've learned in my career is that a foundation of trust allows you to build influence within the organization because now people trust your opinion. They, they, they trust your professional, um, you know, opinions that you bring to the table and, and, and it brings that level of influence that you're going to need. It's okay to be vulnerable. Jason, I think one of the greatest pieces of advice you ever had on the show was ask people how they feel about something. Yeah. And there's lots so, of, I found, yeah. I've also in practice, I found there's lots of different ways to ask that. And yes, you lear- totally. I started to learn like what is the appropriate time to ask that and way mm-hmm. to ask that to get the most effective results because yep. you, you do want some insights into like, so how are you feeling about that project? How are you feeling about that personnel change? Like how are you yeah. feeling about that? You know, I think right. that's a real, right. one, of, one of the best pieces of advice you gave. And, 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 and the, the deeper the relationship builds, the more transparent and vulnerable folks become because yeah. then again, yeah. they're not taking their ego and bringing it to the mm-hmm. table. They're putting the ego aside, right? And they're being fully transparent and honest. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get the real, real work done, yeah. right? There, there's, there's nothing hiding in the corners. There's, you know, there, there's, there's nothing you have to be worried about because people are being transparent. People are being vulnerable and saying, saying the things like, you eliminate the FUD. You eliminate the FUD by asking questions like that. It's one yeah. way to eliminate mm-hmm. the FUD. That's right. That's right. Well, and I think it, it ties into this next article where you ask yourself, how, how am I feeling as a leader, mm-hmm. right? The story, the, the CISO life is half as good for the, the Laura Vaughn story. I thought this was a really interesting story to think about for a second, Jason, right? Is yeah. Yeah. as a leader, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, how do we feel? And look at our work-life balance, look at what's going on around us and go, wait, yep. Yep. Maybe it's time for me to step down and take a different role. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting story for other CISOs to think about kind of their situation and where they are in their careers and, and let them know, look, it sometimes it's okay to take a step down and kind of get your life kind of balanced back in check and not just keep yep. pushing to, to the next uh, leadership right, role. Right. I, I, I absolutely love this story and I'm glad you brought it to the table, right? Because because ultimately, you you know, we talk about leadership skills in this segment all the time. And if you're not in a good place as a leader, you're not going to be able to support your staff and have them in a good place, right? So, so ultimately, you do have to go inward and look. And, and it really brought something to light for me, right? Where it shows how, how everybody's different, right? Um, you know, the, this pandemic has kind of opened our eyes and allowed us to prioritize things that, that really matter uh, personally. Because now we've been able to spend time at home. My kids have been home, right? So, so now I, I get a little bit more of that in my face and, and, and I can pri- prioritize what, what, what really matters in life and balance that with my career. But I say everybody's different because I looked at the items that you know, brought a little bit of anxiety and stress to Laura. And I said, wow, those are the things I thrive off of personally, right? I, I read the article and I made it personal. I'm like, I love the politics. I love those pieces of the, the game, right? I mean, for, for me, it's that's the stuff that excites me. <laughs> and really, I thrive off of that type of stuff. Yeah, but for some people, maybe it, right. it, it's not. And that's plus, right. she had a lot right. of other things going on in her life, yep. right? She had moved two states away from friends and family. So she yep. was a little isolated. She was going through a divorce. All these things yep. kind of pile on. And you got to remember, you know, we're only human. and that's and. It. As a leader, sometimes you have to take the priority to, to kind of mm-hmm. get yourself right sized before yep. you can lead the, the team. And, you know, I think it's just a great reflection on leaders to say, you know what, maybe maybe it's time for me to step back a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and kudos to Laura. She did the right thing for her, for her family, for her career. 
And you know, it, uh, all the best of luck. It was an awesome article. I absolutely sounds like it. it should have been named "Leaders Are People" too. <laughs> yeah, right. probably. Yeah. Sometimes you yeah. lose sight of that in yourself, right? Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and so that's why I brought in the last article. Mm-hmm. This article on it's my the author's ten rules for work life balance. And and I thought about this. Right? I'm like going through this list, going, all right. Don't wake up before 7.30 a.m. Well, that can't happen because Kyle's got to be on the bus at yeah. 7.25. So this works for a – yeah, this, this list a works person. for a person. You should develop your own. What I gleaned from this was you need to have yeah. your own 10 things that work that work for you. I think it's great this person shared what works for them. Yep. But like maybe zero of these are going to work for you. But you oh likely God. could create in a, 10 things that do work. Uh, I, I literally you. I read. What was it? Number number eight. Yeah. If I had to call my parents when I wake up, when I go to sleep and at lunch and at dinner, I think I'd be on, on, on anxiety meds all day long. <laughs> well, not only that, I think, you know, my mom would be like, don't you have work to do? Like, yeah, go, go back to, to work, get a life. You? <laughs> Yeah, get away. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Exactly. But there, there are some good ones in here. You know, I think the sleep one's important, right? Because you need that yeah. rest. You need that time, downtime. I thought the the one about eating lunch and dinner and not working while you do it. I, I'm I'm a victim of this, right? Yeah, I was yeah. eating breakfast this morning. Yeah. My phone's right next to me. And Lauren's yep. like, what are you checking your phone constantly all the time for? I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I, I set it aside. But I mean, there are a couple good ones in here that you have to sometimes think about and you have to draw some some lines. Not all of these are going to work for everybody. But, I, but there were a few in here that I thought really resonated that well, might help what, guide people. And what Michael Santarcangelo always told me and what he and I both you know realized, and he was further ahead of this than I was, right? Because he has four kids. I have three. And what he realized is like, dude, stuff changes all the time. Your habits are going to have to change mm-hmm. and adapt based on what's going on. And so I always keep that in the back of my mind that it, it, developing a habit is hard and I just have to be accustomed to change. You know, like kids yeah. start, are starting to go back into sports. Monday through Friday, there is something to do every night to get one Absolutely. of our children somewhere. And you have to take that into account and realize yep. that it's a constant moving target, which makes it harder to manage, uh, quite frankly. But you just got to you got to do does. it. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, for this, it's, it's build your own recipe, right? Build yep. your own 10. Build, build yeah. your own recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I used to do with the boys until Brendan got back into baseball was every Monday afternoon, we go bowling. Right, it was boys' night out. It was just us boys. It was our thing to do. Right. Well, now we have to change that schedule yep. because <laughs> he's got baseball pretty much every single night. It's like, oh crud, you know. So we don't, you know, we'll get back to it at some point. But you, you know, having the having those items, right, that help you kind of make sure you're spending the time at home, uh, balancing the work activities, but also yeah. know to your point, Paul, things change, mm-hmm. schedules change. You'll have to adapt. Yep. Make make sure you keep some things sacred and take care of yourself. You know, that's that, that's the bottom line, right? Take, yeah, take care think of yourself. Uh, oh, you're right, Jason. You know, all these guides talk about your eating and sleeping habits. And you need to make sure that those are in line for, for you. And that they'll, they'll change, right? But you need to pay attention right. to your eating and sleeping habits. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Paul, have a very good vacation. He will be with us the next week or so. Um, Thank you, everyone else, for joining us today. We'll see you next week on Business Security Weekly.